sitting down here today with Big Red to talk about a few topics having to do with this car project and the things that we're working on. So what actually happened to your Big Red SUV? So uh, we bought this car several years ago and we bought it because it was the only vehicle at the time that had was an eight-seater and was also not a, a, a suburban or, or like a, a full-size van. Mm. I didn't want to drive a minivan. My wife didn't want to drive a suburban. So this turned out to be a really good compromise. It was a new car at the time, uh, a crossover um, SUV that had all of the, the, the positive properties or, or features of a of an SUV and the positive features of a, of a minivan, except with no sliding doors. No sliding doors. <sighs> no sliding doors. And we, um, when we bought it, you know, it was an attractive enough vehicle that a lot of people started buying them. Yeah. Our, our friends and, and family members started buying this same, started buying this same car. You know, because we spent so much money on it, I mean, for, for us, it was a lot of money when you, when you look at the cost of the vehicle plus the cost of the, uh, financing, which is part of your cost, yes. right? And when you look at that full cost, it was almost forty thousand uh, dollars. Actually, it was over forty thousand dollars. So over forty thousand. Huge investment for a so car. Huge, right. So it's a huge investment for for a vehicle. Exactly. I mean, we bought it new, um, and because of that, you know, we take care of our vehicles. So we we took it to the dealership. Every every squeak, every pop, everything that didn't seem to sound right, we would take it to the dealership, and it did seem like right at first we were taking it to be um, you know, looked at or worked on or maintained or something every month or two, especially when we, when we first got it. Uh, but then after that, it ran great. And it ran great until it was, it was at about 160,000 miles. And at that point, the timing chain um, jumped or whatever. That's what the mechanic said was that the timing chain jumped and because this is um, what they call an integrated engine, if all of the timing isn't exactly right, if any part of the timing gets off, there's three chains in this engine, three timing chains in this three engine. Three timing chains. Yeah, three timing chains in the engine. And one of the chains got off. It, it mm. jumped one of the gears. Yeah. And just one part of the engine got out of timing, which essentially destroyed the internals of the of the engine metal started banging up against each other and grinding together and as soon as that happened the engine the car just completely stopped running uh is was this a freak accident is this not is this uncommon for the timing chain to just jump a little bit and ruin your engine no that's a good that's a good question like i said there a lot of people bought these cars yes but um a whole lot of them they didn't really do the, the kinds of things that we did uh, a lot of people bought them new, yes, but they didn't take them to the dealership the way the way we did. And I think uh, it was mostly because we were so uh, we were so aware of how expensive it was. And you know, you're spending forty thousand dollars on a on a vehicle. You want to take as good care of it as you can. You want it to last the entire the entire yes. life of the loan. Like we got a five year loan on this thing. Yes. You need so, to last at least five years right, for it to right. be worth it. <laughs> exactly. You need to you need to last at least five years, right? And and it's a brand new car. And we know a lot of people and we were this way too for a long time. You think that when you buy a car, it's it's brand new, it's just gonna run forever. Yes. And it doesn't make any 
particular noises or, or anything. But like so, like when you start off and you're driving older cars, yes, they have squeaks and noises and pops and and whatnot. It's just part of owning your car. But um, because this was new, we were taking it in all the time. Um, and so when the timing chain broke or broke, jumped or whatever it did, yeah. we thought it was a freak accident. Thought it was a freak ac accident for a long time until we took the engine apart. Um, I, and what we found was a number of issues it's hard to say, which is hard to call them issues, but, but we found that the way the engine was designed could cause this freak accident hmm. if you didn't um, maintain the engine in the way that the manufacturer says. So with this, with this timing chain, the long and the short of it is that the timing chain overheated, it stretched, and that caused it to jump one of the one of the gears that happened because at at some point after the car was all paid off and we started maintaining it ourselves uh, not taking it to the dealership for oil changes and all of those things I started putting you know just off-the-shelf oil in it yeah. I'm thinking you know I've been changing oil in cars for a long time I've been maintaining cars for 30 years so uh, to me, this was just another car. You go to the go to the go to AutoZone. You get some you get some oil, and what I <laughs> what I was buying was um, inexpensive synthetic oil and um, inexpensive filters, and uh, it was amazing how fast the engine went from running great to not running so well, and then with within a couple of years after, after putting that cheaper oil and cheaper uh, oil filter into, in the car, we, we ended up losing that, that timing chain. So to go back a little bit, this timing chain thing then is pretty common, like other people have this issue. <laughs> yeah, yes, it, it, it is. So I went into some detail talking about what, how I made some changes to how the car was maintained. Yes. I keep going back to the to the dealership, right? Yes. Most, um, at least most of the people that we knew, taking your car to the dealership is just anathema. It's more, it's just really expensive, right? Especially if you don't buy the car new. They don't call them the dealership for nothing. They don't call them, <laughs> they don't call them dealership for nothing. And I'm sure they all know, right, that, that people call them dealership. And I... I, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. I don't have anything to do with dealers or yeah. or anything. But uh, as this was the first forty thousand dollar car that we'd ever bought, I wanted to make sure that we took it to the folks that built it. Yes. And plus, it was a new car. It was an, it was brand new on the market. All of the people that we knew, they would take their car to Uncle Ed's or to some. They changed the oil themselves, right? Yeah. And uh, a lot of them were having the same problems. In fact, since our timing chain broke at 160,000 miles, a lot of people that we knew, their timing chains were dropping at 60, 70, 80, before even 100,000 miles, right? But they could take, if they knew about it, they could take their car to the dealership. It was under warranty. All the cars were under warranty. And there was a recall. There recall. was a recall on the car. Uh, 
for this timing chain issue, so most people could get it fixed. Um, if it was within 120,000 miles, most people could get the car fixed for free uh, from the dealership. But they, a lot of people didn't know that. <laughs> they just, they drove the car, it broke down, and now they've just got this newish car with a, with a broken engine. Uh, and you ask the question, is it common? It's common enough that if you do a search online for, for the engine that comes in this car, which is a GM 3.6 liter V6, you just do a search for GM 3.6 liter V6, you'll see pages of timing chain mm. issues uh, on, these, on these cars. And you've got uh, lots of different opinions and ideas and information and so forth that can give you the impression that this thing is just, is just garbage, yeah. that, the, that the engine is just garbage. But the, but the truth of the matter is, this same engine, GM puts it in everything. They put it in their Camaros, they mm. put it in their Cadillacs, they put it in their, their SUVs. So this is a, they put it in sports cars, they put it in luxury cars, and they put it in crossovers. Mm. So it's, and even though lots of people have these problems, it's not most of them, okay. right? It looks like it is just the people who who don't necessarily take care of their cars according to the manufacturer's specifications. I see. This being a, a really small, small engine, let me back up a little bit, because I, I want to talk about, we're talking about the timing chain, yes. we're talking about the engine itself, and the fact that we've had to uh, replace our own, our own engine, that's what most of this is really about. Um, but I want to back up and talk about why this engine is special and what can cause this timing chain issue, okay. what, what leads to the timing chain uh, issue. Um, the long and the short of it is, it's a very small engine in a very big car. Uh, it's a very powerful, small six-cylinder engine that is designed to output a lot of power okay. in a very small space. The reason it was good for this crossover car is because a crossover SUV is in turn inside it's as big as a suburban it holds eight adults comfortably yes. right we can get eight adults in this car comfortably and we're not small adults so no. we can eight people can get in this car comfortably it's one of the reasons we bought it and then the car also fits in a regular size garage yes. like this one we, we've got a, a regular two-car garage car fits in here comfortably in order to do that you've got to take a large vehicle pack it into a small space, which means the mass is the same. Yes. You're packing it into a smaller space, and somehow you need to get an engine in that thing that can generate enough power to move this massive vehicle, you know, 70, 80, 90 miles an hour down the highway, and, uh, you know, maintain some reasonable amount of performance. So what GM did was they took this very powerful, very small engine, and they put it in the they put it in the car as close to the passenger cabin as you can get it. So, hmm. so most cars, you like you take a, a suburban, the front end of that suburban is is half the size of the car. Well, it's a third of the size of the yes. car, right? So you've got the suburban front end, and then you've got the passenger part of the car, and then you got the back end. Yeah. So the the, the engine compartment is almost as big as, well, like I said, it's about a third yes. of the size of the car. 
That's one of the reasons why that vehicle is not good for a regular size garage. It's also one of the reasons that, you know, in general, women don't like, don't like to drive the car. Whereas the minivan, also a lot of space, but it doesn't hold eight passengers. Yeah. It holds six adults comfortably. It'll hold, you know, six adults and a couple kids sitting yeah. on their on laps and so forth. Um, but you have it, to go to a full-size van if you want to actually hold eight passengers. Right, you want to go to a full-size van, and it's a lighter vehicle. So, again, what, what GM does is they take this high-performance power plant, put it in this very large crossover vehicle that's packed into a small amount of space. They move it closer to the engine compartment, and, and so it's covered, it's covered all around in, in you know, vehicle, car, yes. right? The biggest uh, issue with this power plant or with any power plant that's generating a whole lot of power is heat. Yes. Is heat dissipation, getting rid of the heat in that, in that engine. Yes. So this engine has two, we call it design issues or had okay. two design issues. Uh, both of them having to do with heat. Okay. One of them is that it doesn't dissipate heat out of, or it didn't dissipate heat out of one side of the engine uh, sufficiently. Mm -hmm. And the other issue is that it burned oil. It's a common issue among high performance um, okay. engines is that they burn oil. Now, some people are gonna scream and say, that's absolutely not true. And they say, well, it, it's, that absolutely is true. And anyone who you know, flatly disagrees probably hasn't driven a high performance or had to maintain a high performance car. They burn oil. This engine, this car, burns about a quart of oil every 2,000 miles. Out of how large of a oil tank? Uh, it holds a, a little more than five quarts of oil. That's a lot of burned oil. Yeah, that's a lot of burned oil, right? So it is, it's a, that can't be, because the car also has sensors and whatnot to tell you when to change the oil. Yes. And I won't get into all the details of what that thing does, the um, what this oil uh, change... The uh, indicator. Indicator, yeah. The oil change indicator, how it figures out when it's time to change your oil. But however it figured out how to change your oil, it started off saying anywhere from 12 to 15,000 miles, it would let you drive whatever oil you put in the car for 10 to 15,000, 12 to 15,000 miles before it would indicate that you need to change it. Okay. Right. What would be a more reasonable oil change schedule? Yeah, right. Okay. So, so now if the engine yeah. is burning two, burning a quart of oil every 2,000 miles. Yes. But the car is only saying to change the oil every 12,000 miles minimum. Yeah. You could run into a situation now. Every all of these engines don't burn, burn a quart of oil every two thousand miles. No. That's the but GM says that's acceptable yes. for this engine for it to use up a quart of oil in two thousand miles. They say that's acceptable for this particular engine. So, so you can imagine if you're driving the car, it's using a quart of oil every two thousand miles, five quarts of oil. 12,000 miles before you change your oil, your car could actually run out of oil. Yes, you might have no oil in your car. It, right, when it's time to change or be very, very low on oil, right? So then the oil light comes on before 
it's time to change change the, the oil. oil. If people ignored that, well, probably by that time it's too late. It's already anyway. caused some damage to the right for it to cause some damage. So this engine having a heat dissipation issue on yes. one side mm -hmm. that only um, really manifests itself when there's a problem with the oil, like the oil overheating, not enough oil in the car, cheap oil in the car, um, cheap uh, oil filter yeah. in the car that inhibits the flow of oil through the engine. Any of those could cause the engine to overheat, but over, only overheat on one side. So it's overheating uh, the most on one side of the engine. So that chain, it, that timing chain, this, again, this car yeah. has three timing chains in it. It's got a timing chain on the left side, a timing chain on the right side, and a timing chain at the bottom in the middle. It is the timing chain on, the, on one side of the engine that overheats, stretches, jumps gears, yes. and destroys the engine. So if you're not maintaining this car, if, you're, if you don't know what you have in terms of the performance of the engine, if you're not changing the oil you know, regularly, which should be 3,000 every 3,000 yeah. miles, right? Rather than 12. Yes, that, no, that's, you know, that's old school, right? The old school is change your oil every 3,000 miles. That's what the mechanics have all said. That's what all the old school dudes said. Yes. That's what they told me when I was, uh, you know, when I started changing oil in cars at 14 years old, it was every 3,000 miles. But then they built these cars so that they would monitor the oil and, and monitor the oil life and, and all of that stuff and then give you an indicator. That indicator was not tuned correctly mm. for this car. Yes. So a year or two after we bought the car, a year or two after it's on the market, GM makes an adjustment to how the oil life indicator calculates how old the oil is. They adjusted it down until it was something like 8,000 miles. Okay. Which to me is still, uh, that's still, still pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> that's still pushing it. They also um, made a design change so that um, that half of the engine that is, that overheats or gets hotter than it, it doesn't yeah. overheat, it gets hotter than the other side of the engine. So that the engine, instead of being the same temperature all the way around, it's hotter on one side than it is on the other. They made an adjustment to, to sort of mitigate that issue. Um, and that calmed down a lot, of the, a lot of the problems so that the timing chains weren't failing at 70,000 miles. Yes. They were changed to failing at 120,000 miles or, like in our case, 160,000. And this car then being well out of warranty you're left with either having someone else replace the engine for you, throwing the car out, or fixing it yourself. Yes, that's right, yes. Yeah, so after all that talk about you know timing chains and engines and crossovers yes. and all of that stuff, we get to the fact that our own car has this same problem, yes. where the timing chain has failed and the engine is ruined. So we get a call from the repair um, shop with that that dreaded news you need a new engine yes we've been driving it it was it was driving just fine and then one day you try to start the engine it just turns over and over and over you can tell that it's not it's not catching as they yes. say it's not it's not doing that 
that yeah. thing that it does when it's trying to start up is just turning over. You turn the key and yeah. it's, just, it's just spinning, turning over. You know that there's something wrong. Yes. So we have the car towed over to the, to the shop. They look at it for about three days, come back and tell us we need a new engine. The engine replacement is going to cost about $7,800. We've got 160,000 miles on this engine. The engine that they want to replace it with has 120,000 miles. So you're already in the range of potential trouble with that engine. Right, exactly. And you're spending almost eight grand to have an engine very close in mileage to the one you right. already had. <laughs> right, right. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I think a lot of people are getting in that same situation. I even heard from, I even heard from one guy, this is just one, one person yeah. who said that because these um, replacing an engine is like such a big deal that uh, mechanics don't want to do it. Nah. So, so they jack the price up really high so that they don't have to. That doesn't make sense to me though. I mean, yeah. you got an $8,000 job. What else are you going to do? I mean, you they charge you for work hours anyway. They so. charge you right. They're charging you for work hours anyway. So, so unless they're just lazy, that's shouldn't make much of a difference. That's right. So the engine that they were replacing with was uh, about $1,200, um, which seems kind of low, but it was a $1,200 engine with 120,000 miles on it. And then whatever the, di the cost difference was was the cost of, of the actual repair. Uh, repair. So we took a look at that. I uh, started looking around it and uh, for you know, what are some other options we have? Do we spend eight grand and then potentially have this car for 40,000 more miles before it dies again? Mm -hmm. um, or like I said, we've got, we've really only got a couple options here. Yeah. We spend $8,000 or we throw the car away. That's a big investment to just throw away. Yeah, right, right. So I just brought it back, brought it back home and let it sit for a time to try to figure out what to do. And uh, I learned that we could actually replace the engine ourselves. I could actually replace the engine myself. Yeah. So I started looking around for a new engine for, for this car and discovered that a brand new, I shouldn't say brand new, a ref a rebuilt engine. First, I looked for for how to rebuild the engine myself. Yes, um, and uh, because and this is when I learned a lot about like all the things I'm talking about here, the way it's the way it's designed for high performance in a small spot, like a small space. Yes, um, variable timing, three timing chains, and all of this stuff. I started learning about this about this engine, and uh, the more I learned about it, the less confidence I have. In your own ability to rebuild it? Right, right. I've never rebuilt an engine anyway, so I, <laughs> I want to say, well, you know, I build a lot of stuff, but I've never rebuilt an engine. So uh, I, uh, a friend of mine says, hey, you know, you could get a totally refurbished engine for uh, for, for about $4,000. And so 1200 for one, for an engine with 120,000 miles or 4000 for an engine with zero miles, essentially. To me, it, it only made sense. So um, we, so I decided then to just buy a new one, buy a refurbished one and put it in myself. Mm -hmm.
So thanks for joining us, Big Red, and explaining all these things. Any last words for us? Just you know, visit us on bigred.media. Bigred.media. Thank you. Thank you.